Let's just get started. I think I think before we really dive in here, though, uh, we were kind of talking, and just while we wait for a couple more people to trickle in, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about the Batman, yeah, and about watching it, and I I am kind of curious as to what your take was uh, on it. Oh man, so like I've only seen it once. I'm planning to see it again, but I did love it. I know that a lot of people kind of have um you know criticisms of these continuously especially batman darker grittier you know films and i mean this is this was the darkest literally also the darkest i mean there were some scenes that was that's one of my complaints there were some scenes that were very hard to see um because the film was actually dark but i loved it man i loved the length i thought that actually making batman a detective you know instead of just uh james bond with a cape which is kind of the way Nolan did him. Um, I think Nolan. I think Nolan didn't really like Batman or superhero shit, so he kind of strayed as far away as possible without, like, really, I guess, um, betraying the character, you know, or betraying the fans, I guess. Uh, but this was Batman, man. This was just straight out of a out of a comic. Matt Reeves, the director, is a huge Batman fan, and I love Robert Pattinson. Um, I thought Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman was fucking genius. I mean, I loved it, man. Uh, I know people have their criticisms, like my uh, co-host at Struggle Session, Leslie Lee, and um, Jack, but, um, which, I mean, I don't know, they probably could, maybe the next reboot trilogy they do, maybe uh, take it out of the sort of dark grittiness that, um, and sort of this super realistic, what if Batman was real kind of thing, but um, long, long, uh, long answer, uh, sure, I liked it a lot, man. What'd you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was way too long. (laughs) Yeah. Like I thought that, uh, I mean, I, like I, I'm, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but I guess I would say like the last like 25 minutes, yeah. like the kind of like the the conclusion after after a certain character died, I thought that the movie was kind of over to me after yeah. that. Um, but then it kept going for like another 20, 30 minutes, and um, I don't know. There were just like. It, I took an edible before I went in there and it kicked in. So I was kind of like, uh, I, I like, I was kind of like, it was hard for me to take it seriously. Yeah. Uh, well, because you're on an edible, you're, you're sitting there watching like a three hour movie. And I mean, like, it's good for binging shows. I feel like doing edibles and watching shit, but a movie, I don't know if I could sit in my seat for three hours. I'd fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. I mean, like, that's kind of where, just a couple times, I was like, oh, my God. Come this on. shit's not over yet? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, everybody, so thank you for joining us. This is the Flashpoint Podcast. My name is Owen Higgins. I am your host, as always. If you're listening on the app and you haven't already done so, please hit the subscribe button so that you can get uh, notifications when we go live. Um, if you want to support my journalism, uh, you can subscribe to my Substack. That's at owenhiggins.substack.com, E-O-I-N-H-I-G-G-I-N-S.substack.com. Uh, today, I'm joined by Aaron Thorpe. Uh, we're going to be talking about some news headlines. I know that earlier this week, I had uh, promised that uh, there was going to be a uh, special guest. Uh, Aaron is, of course, a special guest, but uh, the... <laughs> Uh, the special guest that I was referring to is now scheduled for Monday. Uh, we'll talk about that more, I think, come Sunday. So just kind of stay, uh, stay, uh, you know, uh, 
in touch with that and, and, and we'll let you know that'll be up on, on Twitter and it'll be scheduled here. All right. So, uh, Aaron, um, you know, mm. I, I think a lot of people probably already know who you are. Uh, you do yeah. a struggle session. Um, but can you just kind of, uh, you know, just, just explain, uh, all the projects that you work on and, and, and your, uh, just, yeah, just who yeah, you are. And, and sure. Your commentary. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, um, I'm Aaron, um, on Twitter, which is where kind of think most people know me. Uh, my Twitter is Paradoomer. Um, and I'm a co-host on, um, struggle session, as a comics uh, correspondent, I should say, I'm a correspondent. I'm not a co-host, but I do jump in on comics, uh, some comics-focused fa- bo- episodes like uh, the Alan Moore Presents series that um, Leslie and Jack have been working on. But also, I am a co-host on the Trill Billy Workers Party podcast, um, which, if people don't know, it's a uh, leftist podcast based out of Kentucky and um, just kind of covers the, the South in general and, I guess, national politics as well. And sometimes we might if we're feeling brave and we kind of want to uh just shoot off the head we might dive into international politics but um yeah so check those two podcasts out trillbilly workers party and um struggle session and i do a, I have a sub stack which i've got to start writing a little more um but i have a sub stack which is called space and light and that's in my bio on twitter and people can check that out too if they want to read uh longer things than just like um funny tweets from me absolutely so uh Let's actually just jump into international mm-hmm. politics. Uh, yeah. So this is Owen and Aaron read the news, uh, the first edition. Maybe we'll do another one at some point. Who knows? We'll see how oh, this yeah. one goes. But um, so I have, uh, you know, for like the last like three weeks, I've been covering the Ukraine war pretty much exclusively. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, w- one of the reasons that I wanted to do this was to, to just be able to uh, talk about some other stuff. But I thought that, you know, if, if, if we're going to do a news review, we probably do want to start uh, with the war in Ukraine. Mm. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've, like I said, I've been I've, I've been doing a lot of work on this. I'm kind of curious as to as to what you think. I, I mm. you know, I haven't seen. I haven't seen you comment on it too much, and you know I, I don't know why that is, but I would say, yeah. it, like I'm you know I'm just uh, I'm, I'm kind of hypothesizing, but a lot of the time like I try you know when when I'm looking at, at something going on, I, I try to wait until I have a better sense of it. Is, is that mm-hmm. what's going on, or is it just that you're that you're not quite sure what it's uh, where it's I, at? Honestly, it's it's both of those things where it's sort of like I. I, I think especially as an American, right, I was specifically as an American, um, and even being like, you know, uh, you know, branding myself a communist or a leftist, um, I think that a lot of the time, um, most of the time, propaganda, um, and it's kind of, kind of uh, you know, parsing through that and trying to see things for what they really are is difficult and intimidating. And also, I don't want to offend anyone or make anyone upset. Um, I think also, too, that I don't know enough, you know, like, I think I... You know, I said something the other day on Twitter. I was like, you know, I don't think anyone was really meant to talk about these complex geopolitical issues on Twitter, you know. Um, And I think because it is such an intense situation that, um, you know, uh, people um, get upset and people are angry for a good reason. Um, But, I mean, man, I think that, I think that, I mean, and I look to people like work like yours, and I know Jack Crosby's been doing some great work. Um, I just think that ultimately it's, you know, it's, it's obviously a tragedy and the only people that are going to suffer are the Ukrainian people and the Russian people. And I think that, um, and I'll say it right now. I mean, like you can be anti NATO, but also be anti Putin, right? Like 
I'm sorry, but if you're a leftist, then you're like, you know, flying like a hammer and sickle and you're fucking virus or some shit like that, or a Russian flag, and you're talking about like, this invasion was necessary or justified because of X, Y, and Z. Like, that's insane, you know? Um, I mean, that's just, I, I don't understand how you can justify that. I don't understand how you can justify the bombing of a hospital, you know? Um, I, but also what I do try to do, and I think hope we can talk about a little, because you um, helped link me to this piece from your Substack, but Carol Schaefer and other people have talked about um, the uh, uh, African African students and African people in Ukraine and the difficulty and trouble with them getting out. So as a black person, obviously, these are things that I'm also very interested and focused on. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I just want to be careful, man. That's why I look to people like you for their reporting, because I don't want to. I don't want to get anything wrong, and I don't want to make anyone upset, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say, too, that, like, I don't I'm, – I'm, I'm, I'm in much the same situation with you. I'm just – I just happen to, you know, kind of work this stuff out myself uh, on this platform, right? Like, mm-hmm. talk, like talking to people who are there and talking to people who are experts on it. Um, you, know, I, you know, speaking of Carol, uh, mm-hmm. her, she, she just has a new piece out uh, at The Nation. I think this is what you're referring to where – She's, yes. uh, you know, she's in Poland and she was talking to people in the, uh, African, uh, I, I don't, I don't know if it's African diaspora so much as, as African people who are in Ukraine, you know, whether they are members of the diaspora, whether they are just working there, uh, either way, like, you know, they w- were leaving Ukraine because mm-hmm. of the invasion, obviously, mm-hmm. and, uh, have, have encountered like a lot of racism and, uh, prejudice both from the Ukrainians, uh, you know, the, 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 the Ukrainian forces who are helping them, uh, who, are, who are hindering them, rather, uh, from getting out of the country to then, you know, then they get to Poland and then there are other problems. I mean, you know, anybody who has been even slightly familiar with uh, Europe over the last, well, centuries, but, but you know, over the last couple of decades, especially like, you know, the, the issues around immigration uh, have have really like fueled this nativist kind of white supremacist mm-hmm. uh, ideology in in the subcontinent, and and that's really like showing through right now. Uh, I mean, look, the, the whole situation is is pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do also want to say that I, I totally agree with you as far as if you if you are any kind of a leftist, especially like a communist. Uh, to support what's going on right now with this invasion just does not make sense to me. Uh, the current government in Russia is not interested in any way in a return to communism or anything even no. slightly left. Putin and his government are are hardcore right wing. Like they are, they're nationalists. Yeah, what they they're are. nationalists. They are. Uh, in in some ways, on some social issues, certainly uh, they're they're right there with uh, with with our far right nationalist party, our nativist party. Um, on some issues, they may be further right. On some issues, they're not. I mean, you know, it's a, uh, I think on like abortion or something like they're better. But as far as like gay rights or trans rights, they're they're certainly worse. So uh, or or as bad. So that's certainly something to keep in mind. But um, you know, one one. Uh, one article that I wrote, I wrote this article yesterday, um, you know, one thing that people from Ukraine are also encountering as they're coming into Europe is human trafficking, where uh, people are just kind of waiting for them 
in in these vans and in these cars to just kind of toss them in there and bring them to uh, usually to Berlin, which is the center of of this stuff in uh, in Europe. Uh, uh, we had a caller, Masha. She's uh, she's not with us today, but uh, she was with me and Carol on Monday, and and she kind of was talking about this a lot, talking about how Berlin is the center uh, of this. And, and since then, uh, Berlin uh, authorities have, have given warnings about, you know, like just don't get into a car with just anybody and, you know, kind of watch out. So that's that's certainly been something that, uh, that has been concerning and that has been going on while this glut of people, I mean, like I think like 2 million people now are, are, are either out or moving out of of the country of Ukraine right now as, as the bombs continue. Um, so that's kind of my, my take on it. I, I think I, I would generally agree with you though, to say that we're both kind of in the same boat. It's just that I happen to have been, uh, talking to people about it, but, uh, but that doesn't mean that like, I'm like necessarily an authority. I'm just, when I'm, when I'm reporting on this, I'm just, I'm just simply saying like, this is what I'm learning. If that yeah. Makes sense. yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I mean, like, I think that, I mean, for what I do, anytime a conflict or anything happens, a big news stories, I try to look at like a couple different sources. But more importantly, um, I try to pay attention to people that are talking to people from the region or have been there. And um, I think that one thing that I, I really didn't think about um, until I guess today, until I was kind of looking through some of the stuff we we're going to talk about is the human trafficking aspect. And in 2014, I think, when people were escaping from East Ukraine and flooding into Poland, that there's already been this kind of influx of refugees, right? War people escaping war. And it's just in a situation like this, right? It's kind of like, what do you what do you do when people like women and children who are already fleeing this terrible conflict are then leaping into like the frying pan by these like, you know, these people that want to exploit them? It's, it's sort of just that's another humanitarian crisis that I don't think people think enough about, including myself, you know, or even the reporting, right, that we're getting from the media on Ukraine. These are things that I'm not hearing about. I mean, I guess if you watched mainstream media, you wouldn't. But I think that even some, you know, ostensibly left sources, I mean, this is something that I didn't hear about until literally, I mean, you could think possibly this is obviously this is going to happen. But just the actual covering of it is something that I didn't see until like very, very recently. I mean, when I say recently, I mean like an hour ago, you know, something that kind of popped up into my mind. So um, I don't know, man. It's just it's just a situation where I think that I think really the principal position to take is, I mean, one that involves some kind of diplomacy. You know, I don't I don't I don't I think also the problem with. And whenever you say it, people, people, like, people have been getting at me for saying this shit because people are like, it's not the right time. But I mean, dude, like, you know, the Azov Battalion, you know, the neo-Nazis in the Ukrainian army, you know, us funneling money to these people. I mean, what do we, I, I don't think we should be, I don't know what we should be doing, right? But I definitely do not think that the United States or anyone should be funneling money to these groups because this seems like something that happens often, right? The United States, whenever they intervene in terms of, funding, you know, creating a buffer between an enemy, right? It's always like these psycho right-wing motherfuckers, man. And they go on and they slaughter people and nobody really wants to talk about it because it makes people uncomfortable. But I mean, that's that's something that I think about a lot too, you know. It was, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, but I'm sure you've, yeah, I know you've seen all the media, whenever they post a picture of the Ukrainian army, there's always at least one person. There's not always, but too often there's one person wearing like a neo-nazi symbol or something like that you know but the media 
doesn't really talk about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I've been uh, I've been talking about that with uh, with some journalists um, uh, that you know that I, that I'm friendly with, and one thing that was brought up that I thought was really interesting is that you know one of the reasons that all of these photos keep coming out, um, mm. you know, beyond the obvious, which is that like there are obviously people in the Ukrainian army uh, who are neo Nazis. But like another thing is that like those guys are and and gals are the people who are they are putting themselves out there. Mm. They they are making sure that they are the ones whose pictures are being taken. It's almost like a recruitment effort. I mean, I'm not I'm not putting I'm not putting some conspiracy, but it it seems well for them at least it is a recruitment effort for them at least. No, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like they. They want to uh, have themselves seen by as many people as possible because that way, uh, you know, they, they, that kind of recruitment can happen. But I think that that is 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 a pretty big problem, and uh, and you know, when you have these elements within the military, uh, yeah. and you have them kind of going out to try to recruit people and to put themselves out there. Uh, you know, they are going to make sure that Western press can take their picture. And that's why you see it on like Getty images. I mean, you know, and then uh, as well, like there is a difference between uh, people like NATO who are doing propaganda efforts and and reporters uh, who are taking pictures. I mean, like an editor should have stopped like the Getty images thing from going through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, NATO posting that on Twitter. You know, who knows? Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, and it's like, you know, man, it really does make me kind of think sometimes where it's like, how is it that nobody else picked up on this, right? Is it because they want to be, because the Atlantic Council, at least as far as I know, they've, I think it was about two years ago, um, someone published an article saying that there's a far right problem in Ukraine. Um, and then I think like last week, they were saying it's not such a big deal. And all I'm saying is that I think that and I, I mean, maybe this comes from, I'm going to say something maybe that con that's controversial, but I mean, dude, as a black person, um, I think about this shit a lot. I don't live in Ukraine, right? But I noticed that there are a lot of like, and these especially, we were talking about earlier, these kind of like rah, 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 Russia, these people who, you know, or on either side who kind of like want to ignore to me problems and hypocrisies, right? That when, when it's Palestine, for example, right? Um, or their ongoing wars, like in Somalia, we just fucking bombed Somalia, right? Like, these are things that nobody wants to talk about, you know? And I think if you look at the history of the United States, especially during the Cold War, if we're talking about Latin America, and funding these Contra groups, you know? All I'm saying is that it's a very tenuous situation where it's like, well, do we really want to fund neo-Nazis to, uh, do we really want to fund neo-Nazis? Because obviously people have the right to defend themselves, but what does that mean after the war, right? What does this mean in the future? Right. That's all I'm saying. And I think that people should think about that if you, you know, if you're on the left. Right. I mean, like if you're an anti-fascist, I think it's kind of it's kind of weird and cognitively dissonant to be like, well, I'm cool with those Nazis, you know, because they're fighting a bigger perceived enemy. Like, that's insane. And I mean, if people want to look at the situation in terms of like a total binary that the West has no culpability in the situation, then I'm sorry, man. Like, fucking go watch Batman or a Marvel movie like the world is not that black and white you know there are things that happen because of historical factors and that's all i'm saying to people you know um yeah. but also you know you, you if you're you know 
if you're supporting Putin as well, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Either. That's fucking insane, you know. Yeah, I think I think that a lot of uh, a lot of times people just want like a black and white explanation. Exactly. They want they want things to be really really simplified so that so that there's no real uh, interrogation of it on either side. I mean, like this is mm. this is certainly not exclusive to uh, to one side or the other. You know, we're seeing this certainly on on both ends. Um, and like you're saying, I mean, one thing that I find uh, unsettling mm. is the idea that, uh, you know, we could be looking at a situation where the funding of these far right groups or the funding of the sorry, let me restate that where the funding of the Ukrainian military makes its way to these far right groups who then become more and more empowered. Because I think that no matter what, uh, at, no matter what the outcome is of this invasion, uh, the far right is going to in Ukraine is going to end up more empowered. And what yeah. I mean by that is that there are basically like two outcomes here. Uh, one, uh, the invasion fails, and uh, we are uh, we are left with kind of like a semi-occupying force still in Crimea and and the Donbas. And uh, Russia pretty much withdraws, uh, at which point uh, there's a huge nationalist uh, uproar. And, and likely Zelensky is still politically powerful, mm-hmm. but but um, that also will mean. But then, like, you know, kind of at the, at the local level, uh, you'll see these far right groups recruiting more and more people and becoming more and more politically powerful. Right. So that's option mm-hmm. number one. Option number two is that. Russia basically invades the entire country and kind of semi-occupies it with either a puppet government or uh, just outright occupies it, in which case you have a resistance movement, uh, which is likely to be dominated by those same right-wing groups. Yeah. So they, again, they become more powerful. Really, the only option that you could see that I can see where they don't become more powerful is somehow I, – I don't actually see a, a thing where they yeah. don't become more powerful, but – uh, but then, so it does bring up the question of so if you're putting all of that money in there for all of these arms and and you're supplying the Ukrainian military with arms, like what does that look like five, ten, fifteen, twenty years down the line? At what point, uh, you know, are we looking at a situation where it's kind of like Afghanistan redux, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know, but instead of instead of one uh, you know uh, extremist group, it's a different extremist group. Um, uh, you know, we, we have people who from the UK and from the US and from other uh, parts of the Western world who are flooding into Ukraine, these far right extremists mm-hmm. uh, who are flooding into Ukraine to fight Russia because they are finding uh, elements in the Ukrainian resistance that uh, that they are attracted to. Uh, again, I mean, all, mm-hmm. none of this is to uh, say that. Uh, that the invasion is good. I mean, obviously, it's not good if no. this is going to be the result of it, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. and obviously, it's not justified. Like, you can't like backfill the justification because of something that's happening after the fact that wasn't, yeah. you know. The, I mean, look, conventional wisdom two and a half weeks ago or so was that if Russia invaded Ukraine, it would be over in a couple of days. Oh yeah, I thought I, I didn't even think that Russia was going to invade, so I was wrong uh, yeah. on that too. And then when they did, I was like, oh, this can't last forever. Right, right, yeah. I was like, this is this is gonna be done like immediately. I, I didn't even think that they were going to. I thought that it was possible that they would like go into the Donbas region, but not like the full on assault. And and look, you know, like they they still have a much more powerful military. 
uh, it's still most likely that the Ukrainian military gets rolled, but we, we don't, we don't totally know what's going to happen here. Um, but you're right. I mean, like, yeah, so those far right groups end up getting funny and they get up, end up getting more money. Uh, you know, where does that end up leaving us? I don't think it ends up leaving us anywhere, anywhere good. Um, I do want to shift a little bit though from mm-hmm. Ukraine and just talk mm-hmm. about, you know, some other international conflict stuff. Um, and I think that you kind of hinted at this a little bit when you were talking about, you know, the ongoing war in Somalia and, you know, the occupation of Palestine and these other issues that continue, uh, to, to occur with, with Western backing, uh, that have not stopped. And in some cases, like in, in Palestine, like they have, uh, accelerated with, with the, with the world's attention on Mm -hmm. Ukraine and, and Russia, uh, and I think it's interesting to kind of hear the way that a lot of the justifications for the violence, on yeah. you know, like depending on depending on who's doing it, are are very similar, right? Yes. Um, you're hearing the same excuses from Russia that you hear from Israel, or or that you hear from uh, from the U.S. I mean, I think that there are uh, some some differences in how these different countries approach war. Mm-hmm. And how they approach the information war about their war, mm-hmm. uh, but but some of the rhetoric is the same. Um, and yeah, so you had mentioned that. What's your take on this? I mean, like the, the thing that and this thing that like will always piss me off, right? Is that I mean, it's not, it's not. I know it sounds very simplistic to say like, well, it's just this country full of white people, and that's why everyone cares about this issue, right? But I mean, like, I mean, for anyone who who has paid attention during um, you know the war in Afghanistan. The war in Iraq. For anyone who has ever, I mean, look at look at a country like Grenada, for example. You know what I mean? Where the United States invaded because uh, the Soviets were building an airport, and we thought it was a military base. You know, and that was justifiable. You know, and I mean, it's 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 upsetting because it, it sort of really makes me think that. All right, well, I mean, I guess that just means black and brown lives don't really matter. You know, in these situations. And I, I think that the rhetoric, especially too, when you're looking at it from, I guess the the especially with liberals, it's sort of like, well, we have to do something, we have to intervene. And I mean, like, I don't, I feel, I mean, obviously I'm helpless, I can't do anything. But like, what does that mean? You know, um, if we do sanctions, often these sanctions are not targeted towards you know a specific class of people like these oligarchs, right? it's often kind of spread out and dispersed among like the people. So it's like that, that I can't even trust the United States to do. Right. Um, what is, what is even, even I saw, uh, uh, Israel, um, Israel's prime minister. Um, I know Zelensky was upset with him because he says that he's very, being very ambivalent, right? Because he doesn't want to sign on to the sanctions. Israel doesn't want to sign on to the sanctions, um, against Russia, but they also don't want to send military aid to Ukraine. Right. And I, I don't know, man. Again, it's sort of like the way that this stuff kind of gets covered and split, you know, where Russia, China, and all these kind of other countries are on one side, right? And then it's the West, the UK, France, Britain on one side, right? And sort of the disinformation that they're kind of feeding and peddling to the people within these countries. I mean, me as someone who can't really do anything, I don't even know what other principal stance to take other than this is fucked up and I wish I wish this would stop, you know? So um, I, I don't know if that kind of answered your question or if I'm just rambling, but I mean like the kind of media, the kind of 
try to suss this out from the media, I think, is like not just for people in the United States, but I'm assuming people abroad as well, right? It's incredibly difficult, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that the way... I think I think there are two kind of competing things here, or not even competing. I guess maybe complementary uh, mm. things. But you know, on the one hand, uh, you have the fact that this is happening in a quote unquote white country, yeah, right? um, and that's going to therefore be covered differently than something happening in a non-white country. Um, you know, there, like like uh, we talked about this. Uh, I think two weeks ago now uh, we were talking about, you know, just, just some of the stuff that people were saying on air uh, about the conflict, about how, you know, they couldn't believe that this was happening. In, oh, in a civilized European modern country, right? Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and then of course also uh, 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 Prince, uh, whatever his name is there. I can't remember uh, the, the English guy, mm-hmm. uh, Prince, Prince Harry, Char- Char- Harry, Harry. Oh yeah. 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 Which, whichever one he is. Mm-hmm. Um, William, I think, uh, you know, saying that, you know, you just can't believe it's happening in Europe, in Europe. Like, like that's, yeah. like, that's the distinction that is happening in Europe. And, and it's like, well, yeah, it's also been happening uh, in many other places. Um, but also that means also as if World War Two wasn't a thing. I mean, I know that was like 70 some years ago, but it's kind of funny that he's like in Europe. I can't believe. Well, yeah, you guys are like known for like fucking just starting wars, man. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, and also like, you know, maybe, uh, uh, you know, my people were setting up uh, bombs all mm. over uh, mm. England yeah. for for a long time. So, uh, in recent memory, in like since he was born, right, in, during yeah. in his lifetime. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't really. I, I mean, other, other than racism, there's no explanation for it, right? Like that is the only explanation that there that there possibly is. Um, so it, it's it, it doesn't it's not to downplay like what's going on there in, no. in, in Ukraine, but uh, it's impossible to like ignore that. I think as well that, uh, and, but th- so this is kind of like the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a, a, a point and a case to be made that one of the reasons that this is being covered differently is because it is completely upending what has been the established order as far as like between uh, Russia in the West for mm. on the one hand 30 years and then maybe on the other hand almost 80 years right where uh, an, an, an invasion like this from from one of the two sides like an actual like war of conquest invasion not a covert war or, or a proxy war uh, is something that is different enough and and enough of a disruption that it requires thinking about differently but I don't think that those are incompatible I don't think that those are incompatible thoughts. I think that you can easily say that uh, that this war is being covered differently because the uh, aggressor and victim are both perceived as white, and mm-hmm. also it's being covered in the way that it's being covered because it is upending um, the uh, the traditional order of how things are understood within Eastern Europe and within Western Europe. I think. Yeah. And and so and and you don't really see that so much um, in in areas of the world. I think where where there's a little bit more of uh, political instability, and by mm-hmm. that I mean that mm-hmm. um, that there's a perception I think from from the West and also from Russia 
because um, I think that they would they would probably share this perception as well that like uh, the political instability in these parts of the world, which which of course uh, you know the U.S. and and the West and and Russia in in varying uh, ways are a lot of the times are responsible for this political mm-hmm. instability, but because it has existed, there isn't kind of like an established order in the same way where there is in 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 a place where there's a little bit more uh, of of a political understanding of like you don't go past this line we don't go past that line exactly um and i think that's kind of the thing about proxy wars right like that is kind of what it is where you have where when you when you have something like like uh russia and the u.s maybe you know uh, uh, playing two sides of a conflict against each other because they're really actually having a war against each other but using these uh two sides or 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 two uh smaller countries as pawns to kind of fight Mm -hmm. each other that's much different than them actually fighting one another because then the stakes uh, get a lot higher considering, you know, we're dealing with, with the U.S. and Russia. Like, to be clear, we're dealing with two uh, hyper-aggressive yes. uh, countries, one of whom, one of only one of whom has actually... Um, Use nuclear weapons. Used, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so like... Uh, I just think that like those those points of like uh, context are important for how it's being covered, and so I think that it is like a lot of it is just straight up racism and and uh, and, and kind of uh, white ethno supremacy. But I think that a lot of it as well is is just a, a kind of shock to the system after mm. after so many decades of, of of a certain understanding of the way that things are going to be politically. If that makes sense. I know I'm running away a little No, bit. no, that makes and I, I know we're about to probably close out the segment too, um because I mean it's also something that I don't know, dude, even if even if I'm not I talk about it um with other people so that I can learn more about it and figure out my own positions on it. But I do want to say one last thing that I think like, yo, I don't no, actually, I do care what side you're on because I don't think that I, – I, what I mean to say is if, if you're pro-Putin, I think you need to – or if you're com- completely pro one side or the other, I think you need to like like kind of like maybe take a seat and also kind of realize just generally speaking that this is like punctuated with the fear of like nuclear annihilation. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how else to put that situation, but it's like the way that people have been talking so cavalierly about like about nuclear war – like, I mean, I literally, like, saw an article from the Huffington Post, which I'm sure you saw has been shared, about could nuclear uh, war reverse climate change, you know? Like, people, like, are saying, like, well, you know, if we do, if we uh, put a no-fly zone, I mean, a nuclear war is probably going to happen inevitably anyway. So, you know, if we do it, like, what's the worst that could happen? Would you rather, you know, have a totalitarian government, like, take over, or would you rather, like, you know, just, like, maybe kill, like, 50% of the, you know, world's population, you know what I mean? Or, like, just, like, doom us to, like, nuclear winter for, like, decades to come. I know all of that seems, like, fear-mongering, but, I mean, like, in my lifetime, this is the closest, as someone who was born at the end of the Cold War, at the end of history, um, like, this is, like, incredibly worrisome for me. So I want, I think everyone should consider that when you're, I mean, not that any of us can change anything, but even when you're figuring out how to think about this shit, like be be mindful that yeah, there's these are two nuclear powers, man, and uh, this, this things could escalate very quickly with these proxy wars, you know. So that's yeah. that's all I gotta say about that, you know. No, 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 definitely, definitely, yeah. People are definitely being uh, too cavalier with it uh, for sure. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's um let's let's talk about uh, some other bad shit uh, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and then yeah, then we'll kind of we'll, I guess we'll kind of see where we're at after that. Mm. And uh, but um, this is uh, two hours ago 
Texas Supreme Court uh, ruled that the lawsuit against uh, this is ACLU tweet that I'm reading from mm. uh, ruled that actually before we do that, I'm going to take this call because I think this might be about uh, what we were just talking about. So let's so, okay. uh, stand by on that one. Okay. Hi, just uh, about your last uh, point about uh, rapid escalation of two nuclear powers. Mm. Uh, headline today was India accidentally fired a missile into Pakistan. Uh, and Pakistan acknowledged that, uh, yeah, India needs to kind of step up their uh, their processes. So imagine if in a wartime scenario, an errant missile goes somewhere it shouldn't and how that can, you know, really escalate. So I just wanted to bring that context into it. Well, that's mm. fucking terrifying. Jesus, uh, thank man. You. <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, oh, God, man. Yeah, that's that's another thing, too. There's like, I think... Uh, I mean, I know there's there's a book that uh, I wish I could recommend now. So I can't think off the top of my head, but basically talks about uh, uh, like close calls and near misses um, that it weren't even like you know two active countries with nuclear arms fighting. It's just like, oh no, like this shit got misplaced somewhere, or there was an accident, accidental misfire, or something went wrong. Like technically, you know, technologically speaking, um, and the world could have been destroyed because you know it was just an accident. So yeah, that's terrifying. Right. Yeah. I mean, like how many times uh, is 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 there going to be somebody there who who is thinking about it logically and and stops it from from going out of control? Uh, So uh, with that doom pilling uh, in mind. um, Yeah. So this is from the ACLU. um, Pull this back up. Mm. Texas Supreme Court ruled that the ACLU's lawsuit against Texas's ban on abortion at six weeks of pregnancy, SB 8, I'm sure everybody remembers that one, mm. uh, will remain. The lawsuit cannot proceed. It will remain in place for the foreseeable future. Um, not good. No, man. Not so good. why so does it say why? Why can't it? Why can't it proceed? What reason is there? Well, uh, let me see. I mean, it, it's probably some sort of like technical uh but 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 that tends to be like what they what what they'll do um you know like the assault on and, and so I, I i guess what i'm trying trying to say is that kind of just putting this in context with mm. uh the the attacks on women's uh uh or, or you know a, a pe- people's bodily autonomy as far as their uh, pregnancies, um, the attacks on uh, people's uh, gender identity and, and right to affirming care, and uh, this uh, uh, quote-unquote don't say gay bill that's in, in Florida right now. Oh, my God. Uh, it just seems like, it seems like we're just doing the, like the, the culture wars uh, that, that we saw in the 90s all over again, except that now... Um, the right appears uh, more willing to to fight to win. I guess I don't, it's kind of kind of yeah. well, working I... this out in my head. But I think that I think that part of it is that the right has has uh, ensured that they have um, control over all of these aspects of like state and and uh, and and uh, local and. Like, mm-hmm. like they're fighting that war at that level. And because they're fighting the war at that level, they're starting to win. And you're seeing this, these, these victories where, uh, you know, uh, it, a, a law that comes out of, you know, some extreme 
element of the Texas state legislature and is then signed uh, will then uh, get, uh, you know, the support of the state. And then if it's mm-hmm. challenged by uh, something in the state, like the, the courts, which have been taken over mm-hmm. uh, by the right wing in, in, in a, a decades-long effort, are now uh, moving to, to support it. So but even by the time that it gets up to the federal level, and who, who knows how that's going to, going to work out, um, it's almost like too late. Yeah. Uh, and I'm interested actually for your perspective is, yeah, I mean, cause you're a little bit younger than me. You were born at mm-hmm. the end of the cold war. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I guess that like the cultural war stuff of the nineties is kind of like a distant, like half remembered memory. Yeah, it, it, it is, man. I, I don't remember. I mean, this is the thing too, is like, you know, as a nineties kid, I feel like, Oh, it was really like a two thousands kid. Right. Cause that's when I remember this kind of stuff. And I mean, I, it's weird to see this, like, kind of, like, flare. I mean, not weird, because this has been going on for, like, the past decade, right? Um, but, like, the, these this kind of, like, push for these anti-trans bills and also, like, limiting people's auto- um, bodily autonomy. But I think what you said is absolutely right, is that, like, the right wing has a long-term ideological project. And what they do is that they end up, like, kind of, like, just putting people in places of, like, a... Um, in judicial spaces and, and whether they're lower courts, um, obviously the Supreme Court, but I mean lower courts as well. I mean, like these district courts, like they put judges in these positions, like these young fucking psychos from the Federalist Society. And I mean, like before you know it, there are anti-trans bills that start in one state and it catches fire, you know, until it reaches to the next state. I mean, I live in Georgia right now and I'm not sure, I should have looked this up, but I'm pretty sure there are several anti-trans bills that are probably going to come up in the next legislative session, but Florida, right, right down below us, there are anti-trans bills going through right now. So it's like, I mean, to see this sort of like the right wing finally kind of, not finally, but really kind of like, like, as you were saying, like they're going hard in the paint right now to use a basketball term, right? They're going very, very hard right now to like make sure that all of these, all of these uh, uh, kind of premeditative measures that they put in place are going to come through for them, you know, because they have a long-term ideological plan. And I also think too that I think that obviously the culture where when you don't have anything to offer people, you know, um, when you don't have anything material to offer people, and I'm not saying these are not material issues; they absolutely are material issues. I don't want to make it sound like. This is a bullshit aesthetic culture war, and it doesn't really fucking matter. It does matter because it affects people's lives. I mean, their physical and mental health. But I think, too, I mean, this is just like throwing red meat at the base, right? They're just throwing red meat at their base. I mean, they they don't, I mean, as much as the Democrats don't really, in my opinion, don't really have any intention to do anything for people, neither do the Republicans. But this is what incenses their base. This is what what gets them excited. And, I mean, it's, it's fucking sickening, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely, and I think that I mean that's a good that's a good point about the uh, premeditation. I mean, this has been a specific ideological project uh, that they have been pursuing for a long time, mm-hmm. and it's now it's it's now coming coming to bear. Like I, I think that there is, uh, and there has been for uh, the past six years uh, at least, like this idea that. Um, you know, Trump was the issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like the, yeah. Trump was the problem, but really he was just the symptom of this project finally all coming together. And now we're seeing what that really looks like um, as far as 
as as people's rights. I mean, like this is like setting aside like whether or not there'll ever be an acceptance of of how the election goes ever again in this country, which I doubt that there will be, yeah. uh, or at least not for the foreseeable future. But but beyond that, I mean, it's beyond like those issues around uh, democracy and 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 those issues around um, acceptance of of electoral losses. I mean, this this is mm-hmm. the this is the project. Like the project is finally working. It's like this stuff, and like the anti, uh, you know, uh, quote unquote, like critical race theory. Oh my stuff. fucking god! <laughs> like, like that, like that's total code. And what that, what that's code for? And this is, you know, this is kind of like my, my area where, where I've done a lot of work. But you know, there, there is an idea, um, I think, on the right that to to even uh, talk about uh, racial issues in this country is to uh, betray a vision of of the U.S. that is just like antithetical to the way that they think. And this has been yeah. this is what the modern right wing is. This is what it, it's been like this for fifty plus years at this point. Uh, like all like the the religious right, like all of this stuff comes out of integration. It's, mm-hmm. it's opposition to integration. It's mm-hmm. pro-segregationist politics. Like these guys didn't give a shit about any of these social issues until they realized they had to pivot in, in like the mid to late seventies when it became obvious that they had like lost the war on yeah. um, on on, uh, on segregation. And I think yeah. you're see- I think that's part of why you're seeing like these attacks on um, on trans people now mm-hmm. is because in the same way, like they realize that they've lost the war on gay rights mm. um, and, but they realize that there is an opportunity to feed into people's bigotry as far as trans people go Damn. So now they're targeting trans people and unfortunately uh mm. they, they you know they are getting a lot of support from elements of the so-called left but that's a totally different conversation uh as far as that goes <laughs> yeah um, but i would say that um this uh this kind of ongoing war on on trans people and trans people uh, people's identities um is is kind of just a pivot from the gay rights issue i would also say that the abortion uh issue while it was used as kind of like a placeholder for uh the like the actual racial issues that are at the heart of modern conservatism it, it has become uh one of their driving um Hmm. driving issues and so you're seeing this you know in texas uh you're seeing these laws in mississippi missouri just i think just passed a bill or there's a bill in the state legislature which would make it illegal for women to cross state lines to be able to to access uh reproductive sorry for people to cross state lines to to access reproductive care more easily i mean it's 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 (sighs) not great uh it's it's really bad uh, but it is all kind of part of this ongoing project. Yeah. And you know what? You brought up a really good point, man. You made, <clears throat> you got, you were mentioning like the Southern strategy, I guess, right. Um, with Lee Atwater and how Lee Atwater said, I'm not gonna say the word, but he said, you can't say the N word anymore by like 1970, you know? So now you have to start talking about, um, things like welfare and, um, social spending and who is deserving of these social programs and services. And, I think that, like, I mean, obviously, I don't want to create a one-to-one parallel, you know, um, but I do think, but I would also say, too, that, I mean, this this attempt to stop anyone from uh, from having any uh, bodily autonomy from getting an abortion 
or these anti-trans bills. I mean, these are like race issues as well because they disproportionately affect black and brown people. But I think too, what you said is absolutely right. It's like, you kind of like lost, like it seems like the, the, and let me be careful how I say this. It seems like the, the logic, the cultural logic of neoliberalism, right? Where it sort of um, commodifies identity and I mean, it embraces identity, but only for um, exploitative means, right? It kind of feels like that because that cultural logic has won where we're seeing interracial couples on TV. Um, we're seeing uh, gay couples on TV. We're even seeing some trans uh, uh, characters on um, some shows, right? I think that because <clears throat> that kind of performative performativeness and aesthetic, aesthetic has kind of like won the day sort of, um, and by people that are completely craven and conniving. You know, I'm not saying that any of these liberals are like, uh, they're, they're people who believe truly in an egalitarian society, but you're right because like they, that sort of won the day. It's these conservatives now have to pivot to something else. And not that I'm sure this has been a work in progress for a decade, but now it seems like they're really, really ramping it up as we were just saying too, because of the fact that they can, they're able to actually do it. They have the power to do it now. And I mean, you would think that, like the Democrats would, I mean, like that they would do something because this is this is the thing about the Democratic Party is that you whenever you would think you could turn to them, right, to stop like the worst possible shit from happening, it's like they're nowhere to be found, you know. So I don't know what can be done at a state level in some of these states, um, especially these states that have um, Republican majorities in the legislature, and nationally, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know what, I don't even know what, you know, what if there was some kind of bill proposed, you know, in the House that made its way through, and then we have, like, you know, these uh, conservative, like, octogenarians on the court, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, nationally, like, is this, do you think this is going to catch fire nationally? Do you think that's possible? Like these, like these anti-trans bills and stuff? Yeah, do you think that's, like, po- is that possible, or are we talking about, like, it's, that's, like, a... Um, like just not not realistic given the way that the government's kind of set up in the framework and the structure. Yeah, I don't I don't know if if that would happen uh, at the federal level. Like I don't know. Like I'm not. Mm. Um, I'm 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 saying that uh, I'm I'm speaking from a place of of ignorance on that because I don't know what the what the utility of doing that would be because the mm. possibility. Like if you were to pass a law like that through the house or the senate and then uh uh have it be signed by some uh right-wing mutant like whoever they have in <laughs> in the white house at that point uh you know a, a couple of things are going to happen right like it's good first mm-hmm. of all it's going to be challenged in court and if if that is uh if if the court rules against it then all of these state bills are are automatically, I think, thrown out. So, mm. you know, you, so you lose that. You lose it as a as as a piece of the. I mean, this is like, look, this is a, to me when mm. I look at the way that uh, the Republicans acted when they had like uh, they were in power for like two years uh, with Trump as president, right? And in that time, they had a majority. They were able to. Uh, to kill the ACA, uh, they you know they failed by one vote, but like it's it 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 was. I, I remember like when that was going down, like they there wasn't even like the same enthusiasm for it because they yeah. I think they realized that it was going to be politically unpopular. A mm. and then B, uh, if you 
if you finally do it, and this is actually what happened, if you finally do it, you lose it as as a political chip. Like you can't mm. use it anymore if if you actually get your way on it, right? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you can't you can't put it in the bank and like use it as like a like a kind. I mean, elect, it's electioneering is what it is. I mean, you're you're can't. I mean, you're uh, campaigning essentially on this issue. You can't. You got to put it in the bank and save it. I guess. Yeah. No. No. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly uh, what it is, and and I think that it's. Uh, I think that the the problem is also uh, that you know Democrats are also very happy to use these uh, culture war issues yeah. as as poker chips with with their political base, where you know they're just using it to uh, to move to, to move voters to the polls. Uh, you know, it's very easy to see how this works because if it wasn't the case. Uh, then they would have actually done something about uh, abortion or yeah, Roe v. Wade, for example, exactly. You know, yeah. So, uh, so I don't, so I don't know if that would happen. I think that they're probably just going to continue to do it in at the state level. I mean, what what is basically happening at this point is that we're we're very quickly fragmenting the country into like in some parts of the country, uh, you know, uh, your your gender identity, your sexual identity, uh, your your right to control your own reproductive freedom uh, is 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 your right. You have that freedom, and then there are other parts of the country where you don't, and that is what is going on now. And so we are seeing like this kind of slow motion kind of breakup of of the country in that very specific way, uh, where you know I don't I don't really know where where we end up going, but it does it does feel like things are. The, the the contradictions the contradictions are heightening mm-hmm. to the point where uh, it's hard to see how it doesn't end with some kind of explosion. And I'm not saying necessarily that like that, like we're looking at like some civil war or something like that. No, no. That, that uh, uh, like like barring some uh, moment that 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 acts as as a major kind of uh point of conflict uh however that turns out i'm not sure i i i just don't see this kind of like escalating tension as sustainable no i I, society right no i i mean dude i don't i want to say one thing last thing about that um i i'm actually pointing people to your uh to your um your substack because you wrote a piece about how um uh britain's uh, Britain's what Britain is doing right now to trans people is sort of America's future. So I just want to plug that because I read that before we hopped on. I thought that was really great because um, he actually spoke to trans folks in the UK. But to your point now, like man, yeah, it's like the contradictions are are kind of widening and the material conditions are getting worse. And whether you know we're talking about you know domestic issues like we're talking about these anti-trans bills or these anti-abortion bills, or whether we're talking about international issues like Ukraine before these other wars going on. It's sort of like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think anyone should be like clamoring for like revolution or some big final conflict, right? I mean, like that's insane if you're trying to do that. I mean, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be living in a world like that or have to be, have to do things like that, right? But I do, I do really think about it. And especially during the pandemic, um, I was thinking about the fact that for the first time, and I also thought this with the uprising, um, uh, you know, George Floyd and the police uprisings um, two years ago, I think two years ago now. It was kind of like both events were these like moments where for the first time, so many Americans like who never before were able to do this. They kind of saw through the cracks. Right. And they kind of saw things for what they actually were. 
and some people were incensed enough about it to get out in the streets, um, whether this is like, you know, protesting police brutality or, you know, on the anti-vaxxer side, you have like these nut jobs like occupying state houses, you know, because they don't want to fucking wear a mask anymore. And like, it seems like that COVID and especially the pandemic, which is still ongoing, even though the media would believe you to believe differently. It sort of like seems like these big cataclysmic events that sort of, I don't know, man. I don't know because it doesn't seem like there's one big event where something happens and things change, right? It's always like, well, this happens and we start to consider these things, right? And then it's just kind of a cumulative kind of effect and builds up until it's like, okay, we really have to do something about this, you know? Like the pandemic, I think, was the perfect example where imagine we had a a senator, Bernie Sanders, running, and I don't mean to, like, relitigate shit, but I think about this shit a lot, man. It kind of, like, fucks me up sometimes. This guy was running on, like, a Medicare for All, like, kind of like, you know, he's running on a Medicare for All, and then the pandemic happens, and he drops out, and everything that he fucking said kind of, like, was like, oh, this is even more important now, why we need, like, a single-payer healthcare system, you know? And, I mean, that's just a guy asking for a single-payer healthcare system, and look, Look at how the Democratic Party, like, excoriated him. Look at what they did to this guy, you know? Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I don't want to ramble, but it's very, it's very bleak, and it gets me thinking, like, oh, man, something's got to give and something's got to happen, you know? Not saying it's going to be a civil war, like you said. I think that's, like, romanticizing about that kind of violence is insane. No one should do that. Um, but something's got to happen. I don't know, I don't know what it's going to have to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I think that you, I mean, you could argue that, like, that this is a civil conflict that we're in. It's just not like we're, I don't think we're going to see something like the, uh, like, like the civil war. No. Yeah. I, it, that's just not a realistic. <laughs> no, no, not, not in today's America. It's just not, yeah. not real, not even saying realistic as in a hopeful way, but it's just, I don't see that happening. Like it's not going to happen. No, no, it's just, it, there's just, you know, it, it need to need to temper our expectations for, for what's going to happen like a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like you're in Georgia, I'm in new England. Uh, you know, those are, those are two very different parts of the country, uh, as, as we were talking about, even, but even Georgia now, uh, is different than, you know, Florida, mm-hmm. South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, like, like parts of the country, like, like Georgia is a different state than those yeah. things. Yeah. Right. Like, like, there, and I think the the politics of this stuff is always kind of shifting anyway. Um, but uh, you know we're 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 heading towards uh, the end of the hour here, and so I think I, I think we're gonna wrap. But um, I don't know, like any any concluding thoughts about all of the um, uh, <laughs> all the horrible shit. I mean, yeah. I mean, what I always try to like. Uh, I mean, people think I'm a doomer, and I'm kind of am, I guess. But I mean, like. I just try to try to what I try to tell people is um, I mean like find I don't know man find little like mo- mo- like pockets of of like happiness and I don't know like community wherever you can and um, if you have the capacity to like organize and get involved in some local shit do that um, do whatever you can do man because I mean right now like uh, uh, <laughs> as we've just talked about for the past hour uh, things are incredibly bleak um, but if I think. What helps me is a sense of community, camaraderie with actual friends and family members, uh, because it reminds me of why I care about all this shit in the first place, you know, um, so that, you know, people can continue to well, enjoy, you know, their friends and family and life as it is. So, uh, 
as bleak as shit gets, man, it, 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 I don't want to say it could be worse. It will be worse, but, um, like, uh, try to make it a little bit less worse, you know, however you can. Yeah, that's a, that's a good hopeful, hopeful place to end it at, for sure. Um, cool. Well, Aaron, uh, thanks a lot for, uh, for joining us. Can, uh, you want to just tell people one more time, uh, where they can Oh, sure. Yeah. People can find me on Twitter at Paradoomer. So I guess... Um, on, on Colin, it's the same as my Colin handle, Paradoomer, and then people can also check out the Trill Billy Workers Party. Um, just came out with a really good um, episode about the prison system. I have not listened to it yet, but I'm excited to. I wasn't on that one. Um, my hosts were, but check out the Trill Billies and also check, check out Struggle Session. Um, later today, actually, at 5 p.m., I will be uh, talking about Star Trek um, on Leslie Lee's the third show, which is Culture. Uh, with Rihanna Joy Gray, uh, we're all going to be talking about Star Trek because I've been binging that show for like the past couple weeks. It's fucking awesome. So oh, yeah, check that out at five o'clock. Which, uh, which, which the next the generation, show? man. And I know everyone tells me I need to watch Deep Space Nine, and I will as soon as I'm done with this. But I mean, dude, Patrick Stewart. I mean, just like the gravitas, just the whole. I mean, he's just fucking amazing, man. It's it's an amazing show. You're preaching to the choir, man. You're preaching. To the choir. <laughs> You don't need, you don't need to dude, dude, so, so you, well, you gotta have me back on, like, enough, well, I mean, this is, you do news, but I mean, like, we gotta talk about this, and, like, and let other people try in. like, one day we will, because, uh, I didn't, I didn't know you were a Trekkie. Too, Hell yeah. Sure. All right, all right, everybody, well, thank you for joining us, again, if you're listening on the app, uh, please give a subscribe to the show, uh, I, I know that we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts now, if you're listening on either of those, uh, check out the Colin app. Uh, if you if, if you want to join in the conversation, you can call in uh, through the app and, and, and join the talks. All right, Aaron, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody uh, in the chat who's, who's listening live, and thanks to all of you on replay. And uh, we'll see you on Monday, and just kind of stay tuned. I think on, on Sunday we should have uh, all the announcements for that, so uh, you, you're not going to want to miss it. All right. Talk all right. Soon, guys. Bye, y'all. Bye.